And welcome back to the Orlando Soccer Show, where today we're going to be talking about everything. <laughs> Fun times. Hey, uh, for those who have been uh, longtime listeners, thanks for, for tuning back in after our month hiatus, as we usually do once the season ends. Just kind of disassociate for a little bit and then come back and be like, hey, let's go over everything we have missed. So that's exactly what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about all the offseason roster moves for Orlando City. We're going to talk about the Orlando Pride making a couple big moves. And we're going to talk about what happened in college soccer because, uh, well, some teams are still going in the NCAA tournament as of today. So that's pretty exciting. And then we'll finish up with our usual stuff that we usually do on this show, which is uh, go over some weird news, talk about some uh, red cards and or playing advantages, and uh, then uh, make our way out for another month or maybe less because the World (laughs) Cup's coming up. Woo! Soccer. More soccer. It's just never ending. Uh, I'm Austin David. Gavin Eubank is here with me today. And uh, let's get started. Hey, Gavin. Orlando City's bringing back 20 players from last season. Yeah, they, uh, news came out, 15 guaranteed under contract already. More extensions offered, and I think the bigger story is is a lot of the people that are not coming back. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, you know, we, we've been beating the drum for a while that this was going to be a pretty big offseason, a pretty transformative offseason, the potential to have for Orlando City. Mm-hmm. And we are now seeing that play out right here. I mean, now there are quite a few key players that Orlando says they are in discussions with. You know, how many of those get across the line is yet to be determined. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, we uh, 65 plus games between Orlando and Pride this year. A lot already happened for these two clubs and uh mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it looks like a lot more is getting ready to happen over the next couple months before we uh head into a new season yes so, so uh, first off let's go over the players that are guaranteed you like you said 15 guaranteed played plus five contract options picked up so 15 coming back that is Ivan angulo gaston gonzalez urchon cara gavin's favorite player jake mulraney mm-hmm Wilfredo Rivera, who spent most of his season on loan, or with OCB, Facundo Torres, Cesar Araujo, Antonio Carlos, Alex Freeman, who also didn't play a first-team minute, Robin Janssen, Rodrigo Schlegel, Juan, Thomas Williams, who played a couple first-team minutes, and Mason Stadahart, plus Luca Petrasso, who we haven't talked about because he got acquired via trade with Toronto. So he, not only is he a homegrown player in accordance with the MLS rules, because that's how that works, homegrown transfers over somehow. Anyway, um, Orlando got him for a a decent amount of of change, I would say. The, The funny thing with the trade that Orlando made with Toronto is that Toronto had a left back already. And that was Dominique Crescito. Crescito, as of today, decided he's going back to Italy. So now Toronto is just without a left back. So that that's fun for Toronto, I'm sure. But Orlando did give them $300,000 in general allocation money for 2023. So they have that money to spend. Plus, depending on if certain conditions are met, Orlando has to give another 100000 in 2024 and 2025 combined, 50000 in each year. So there's still a lot of kind of wiggle room depending on what he ends up doing, but this was kind of a sign saying, well, maybe Joao Moutinho does not come back if they're going after a young, talented, up-and-coming left back. Mm-hmm. And so, and even, if, and even if Zhao does come back, now you kind of finally have some pretty good depth at that position. When you know Zhao's has an injury history, you know he's he's a guy that tends to get hurt and leaves Orlando pretty thin and exposed on that side. So you know, either way, you're looking at one, if not two, good starting options there yep. uh, heading into 23. Yeah, instead of having Kyle Smith play off yeah. foot on the yeah. left side. Uh, so that kind of brings up into our next discussion of the contract options 
that have been exercised. Uh, Jacqueline, Andres Perea, Michael Holiday, and Kyle Smith, and Wilder Cartagena. Now, the, the, the trick is with Wilder, he's on loan. So, Tom Bogger, and I'll, I'll give him a pass because he was trying to get 14 different teams covered at once. He tweeted out that Orlando picked up the purchase option of Wilder Cartagena. That is inaccurate. They picked up his extension for his loan to extend him through the 2023 season. There was never a purchase option within that loan. Ivan Angulo does have a purchase option, but his loan goes through the middle of the 2023 season. So I think depending on how Gaston Gonzalez plays out, maybe you let Ivan go. But, I mean, Ivan was pretty good throughout this year. I think he is a very good piece to keep on, especially if he's playing over a guy like Jake Mulraney. Now, um, so Cartagena is there for 2023. That That's the contract option that was picked up by Orlando. Now, what about the guys who did not have their contract options picked up? First off, Junior Urso. It's not that his contract option was not picked up. It's that the club and Urso agreed to mutually terminate the player's contract options as he returned home for personal reasons. Um, I have heard that it is family-related, of course, and family comes first, so that is also what Junior said as far as, far as I know. It's tough for, for uh, Orlando to lose a guy like Junior, who's basically your vice captain, one of your leaders in the midfield, to plays as a box-to-box midfielder he was good defensively good offensively he provided a lot for you and he played a lot of games he played his 100th game in the playoff game that Orlando had uh that they uh, unfortunately lost in in Montreal but now Orlando in 2023 has to find a way to replace him in hindsight it does make the trade to send Sebas Mendes to LA look a little worse. That being said, obviously unexpected scenario here. I don't think right. at the time, or you know, Junior Urso even had a thought of that he would need to leave Orlando City this offseason. And obviously, Orlando certainly didn't see them going into the future without um, Junior Urso. Like you said, this is at the core of this team. If you were to pick four or five players that make up Orlando City, that make up their identity at the moment, I think Junior Rosa is obviously one of those guys, um, especially after after Nani's departure last offseason. I mean, when you talk about character, guys that really bring that passion, that fire to the field, Junior was one of those guys. Um <clears throat> and losing that's tough. Losing that's going to be really tough. Um and like you said, trying to replace it, that's going to be a those are some pretty big shoes that somebody's going to have to fill next year. Um and not even necessarily in the midfield just in general. That presence on the field anywhere um is certainly going to be something to, you know, for Orlando City to try to figure out. Yeah, and and here's the thing. Junior is 33 years old now. He would have been 34 when 2023 started. Mm-hmm. for as much work as he does asking a guy who is is you could see he took a little bit of a step back in terms of of how he played a full 90 minutes over the course of the season mm-hmm. now whether that was because he was playing a lot or because the season just kind of wore on him it could be either one he could have been fine just you know looking at at the way the season progressed it's not the worst thing in the world to go after a younger player that plays in similar fashion. Obviously, it's it's something that was unexpected for Orlando, and now they have to try and adjust in terms of their, their overall game plan for 2023. But on the whole, getting a younger, better upside player in that role to pair along with Cesar Araujo isn't the worst thing in the world. And I think that despite losing Urso, yeah. they can still make good on it. 
Yeah, and I mean, and then at the same time too, I don't have his exact um, contract number in front of me, but it's probably what it was. It was at least five, six hundred, seven thousand dollars. I mean, that's a pretty good bit of cap space that they now have to kind of play with to find someone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that you know, like I said, if it wasn't necessarily um, a top need that Orlando saw themselves having going in, mm-hmm. that could set them back in terms of like, all right, do we have? some players lined up that we think can fill that because now that's, you know, a matter of where your scouting priorities were going into this. But, um, right. Right. No, um, the, uh, the, the contract for junior was $780,000. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's definitely not a, you know, chump change in terms of the MLS salary budget mm, either. No, no. Um, now speaking of other players that, uh, had a big salary, but, uh, this was on the other side of uh, well, maybe they weren't playing very much. Um, in the expansion draft, Orlando actually did have a player taken, and it was one of the players that they had most recently signed and left unprotected. It was Nico Joachini. Now, a lot of people may be saying, "Well, geez, why did Orlando take this guy if they were just going to let him go?" With having played five games for them, and you know he's he's young, he's twenty two years old, he's a promising U.S. men's national team player. He's gotten call ups, he's scored eight goals for them. Why are you letting this guy go? Well, they paid him three hundred and seventy thousand dollars, and now St. Louis has to pay him three hundred and seventy thousand dollars, and there's still a lot of unknown. I thought the kid had a good upside. I thought it was a good flyer, but. For $370,000 for a flyer? I don't know about that. Pato yeah. was making $400,000. At least he had a proven track record. Mm-hmm. For for Nico Joachini to make $30,000 less than Pato, it just seemed like... Why? Like It, it doesn't make sense to, to pay him that much. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously seeing that contract number made me a little weary about him going forward. It's not necessarily something that I would have done. But like you said, I think at the time, you know, we were all uh, we were all positive on this side. You know, a lot of upside, a guy with potential, hadn't really played much. And even when he was with Orlando, he didn't play that much either. Um, so I think for Orlando to lose him, it's kind of one of those what-if scenarios. You know, we don't... We can't, you know, we just can't say. We can't say, oh, Orlando's losing a big piece of the puzzle. Now they were probably, they definitely lost somebody that they saw as a piece of the puzzle. You know, mm-hmm. there clearly was a plan for him to be much more in the mix next season. Um, but at the same time, you know, we don't know. And it's going to be now for St. Louis to figure out what his potential really is. And, you know, we'll see what they get out of him. But at the end of the day, it, it doesn't. It doesn't feel like a loss. It is yep. a loss, um, but it doesn't feel. What's well, a loss at, of? It's a loss like of a money loss. they have to pay. Yeah, yeah, and I mean that. Yeah, like you know, like I said, between him and Ursa now, that's a million dollars in salary that is now no longer here. Correct me if I'm wrong. Doesn't team don't teams get compensation for having players picked? I think it's like fifty grand in game, something yeah. like that. Yeah, that's... might be a little bit more. It's not bad. It's something that you can work with. Let me see if it mentioned. Did they? Okay, yeah. Um, okay, yeah. There's there's no mention from Orlando City um, in the release about it, but I I do think it's like fifty fifty thousand or something. Mm-hmm. It does. Well, there's no MLS team coming in next year, but usually yeah, when you clubs get picked, that have you're players also selected from the next the, one. Yeah, here. Clubs that have players selected in the expansion draft will receive fifty thousand dollars in general allocation money. Okay, so yeah, I mean that's you know it's a consolation. I I definitely don't put this on the same level as losing Kamal Miller for yeah. free. Well, Kamal Miller is also <laughs> going to the World Cup, and right. Jokini is right. not. So yeah, Kamal Kamal Miller had like a renaissance year with Montreal. He was yeah. like one of their best players. That's one of those losses that definitely I feel like haunts it haunts me personally because I was (laughs) I mean I was very high on him and then you to lose him for almost nothing to Austin and then Austin turns around and immediately flips him and he becomes suddenly one of the best left backs in the league 
with he technically Montreal. was a third center back, but yes. Yeah. Shame. Yeah. Okay, well, back to Orlando City. We we got we got on the, the <clears throat> subject of Junior and Joe Akini. The other players that had their options declined were Joey Desart, which not surprising, all things considered. Joey well, he he tore his uh oh, what was it? He he tore something in his knee and uh was out for the the rest of the season. But he he played no, he played 29 games total in his three years in Orlando. Played one game and two minutes in 2022. But it just goes to show you from 2020 to 2021 that he was needed. And then by 2022, they had enough midfield depth where they didn't. And yeah, he wasn't I mean, making he wasn't making those strides that they needed him to make coming out of college. So I was going to say 31st overall in the draft typically not one of those once you're out of the first round you typically don't those guys don't last around very long unless they really show something yeah um so i mean he showed enough to be surprising. around for three years yeah yeah i mean you know personally i i he never really like popped to me never really stood out as mm-hmm. like this is a guy that needs to get more minutes but that being said is also one of those guys that didn't get a lot of minutes to begin with. So you know the evaluation period there wasn't there wasn't a lot. Um, but I mean, I, again, not one of those players that I think will be dearly missed in the long run. Hmm. Not necessarily, you know, Tesho. Tesho is the more controversial one, I think, for certain segments of the fan base. But yeah, uh, so that was the last player that we were going to get into. Tesho Akindele contract option declined. His tenure with Orlando City comes to an end now. Just just to kind of be transparent about everything, Tesho was making three hundred and forty thousand dollars, and he did significantly um, compared to twenty twenty one. Uh, his production did decline you know, pretty hard in 2022. Yes. Um, I, I will say with, with Tesha, though, his playing time also took a big hit. Mm-hmm. I think once he, once he hit 30, which <laughs> I've been there, you know, he still played 27 <clears throat> games. But in terms of his minutes, it was the least he's ever played in Orlando this year. And yet, he managed over the, his last three seasons to have three goals every year. <laughs> so it, he was nothing if not consistent in his play. His first year in Orlando, double-digit goal scorer. Mm-hmm. 28 games played, 22 starts. Like He was very good pickup for Orlando in that James O'Connor era. Then 2020 came through, and that was a weird year, but Daryl DK's emergence kind of set Tesho on the back burner. He was still playing, but not as much. 2021, same thing. He was playing and starting while DK was on loan. DK comes back. He's back on the back burner. But he played almost every game, played 32, started 15. And he chipped in six assists to go with his three goals. The six assists are the most he ever had in Orlando. So he had nine total goal contributions in 2021, which was second most he's ever had compared to his 2019 year where he had 12. And then this year, only 591 minutes played, but scored three goals on six shots. So pretty pretty good, all things considered. Yeah. And out of the 27 games he started or played, he only started four. And again, only less than 600 minutes played. That's He's coming in for spot minutes when he's not starting like five minutes at the end of the game. Tesho was a polarizing player for some reason. <laughs> and you know, what's funny is I feel like you, you and I can definitely speak to every team that we like, not necessarily like soccer, you know, Chelsea Yankees, whatever you like. There's always that one player on the team that is for some reason polarizing in that you may not like how he plays or what his specific role is with the team, but it, 
is valuable. <laughs> Some people just don't see it. And I think Tessio was one of those players yes. who, especially under Oscar Pereja, did exactly what Oscar Pereja wanted him to do. He's and an he Oscar did it Pereja very guy. well. And that is where that is why Oscar Pereja played him as much as he did early on in those first two years of his uh, his tenure here as head coach. Mm-hmm. Because he he can hassle the back line. He's a very he's a very hard worker. And that is what Oscar likes out of his forwards, guys who can defend, who can pressure, who can be there where he needs to be um, off the ball. Those now, guys are very much overlooked by a lot of fans because that being, they're, they're not yeah, scoring. Right, right. And that's the thing is, that being said, I I do agree <laughs> that it's nice to have a forward that scores more goals, and I do prefer that, and I do think that Orlando could have found a guy that is better than Tesh Rackendale is as a general forward soccer player. Um, but, and I know this doesn't really count for anything on the field. He's also a really good guy. He's a very smart player. He's, he's got a, you know, he's got a great head on his shoulders and you can't also discount that to what that player brings to your locker room. And I think that's another reason why he's stuck around so long. And ultimately, some people might disagree, but he he will be missed. I think he he definitely brings he brought a certain element to Orlando City that it's hard to find and hard to replicate. Um, so I mean, it is it is kind of an important loss for them. I mean, like you said, he's also a guy that's been here for a while. You know, his name's been ingrained in Orlando City for the last four years now, and that's you know nothing to sneeze at. It's very true. Well, at the very least, that's another position that Orlando has to try and fill now. So, yeah, midfield, backup striker. And then potentially a couple others because let's get into who has out of contract now. Benji Michel, Pedro Galese, Alexander Pato, Mauricio Pereira, Jean Moutinho, and Adam Grinwis. And those are those are important names there to keep an eye on as we head in. Pato has already uh, said his goodbyes. He He's is gone. gone. There is there is yeah, there is no sure. coming back from him. Orlando has Which is a shame. I mean he when he's healthy, I really was surprised at how productive he was this year, how much of an impact player he was for Orlando City, especially that summer stretch where um, he was playing more as like a deep nine, number 10 kind of guy. Uh, Pereira was dropping back. Orlando had a really good dynamic going on with that. Mm-hmm. And then he got hurt and all of that was gone. So it's a yeah. tough break for Pato. I really, I really did hope that it was going to work out for him i mean orlando was paying him a lot of money until he got hurt um, which yeah no i mean i i I really wish that we got to see a lot more of that so it's a shame yep and he was one of the best playmakers in terms of statistics so i'll i'll get through the the rest of the roster and then i'm going to bring up some fun statistics here for you that uh, I promised a couple weeks ago that I was going to bring up. So, first off, uh, Orlando has extended bona fide option uh, offers to Benji Michel and Pedro Galese, both of whom are out of contract, and uh, that allows the club to maintain a right of first refu- refusal for the players. So, basically, if anyone wants their MLS rights, got to go through Orlando. But they're also in talks with Benji and Pedro in terms of potential returns in 2023, along with Adam Grinwis. Mauricio Pereira and Jao Moutinho. Now they say they're in talks of potential returns. I would say that the Pedro one is is probably out of out of the five that they've offered closer. I think Grinwis is probably lo- going to be looking for more playing time towards the point of his career. I don't know if he wants to be an OCB keeper at this point. Maybe go back to USL. It's very up in the air with him. I think what does help Galese real quick is yeah. that all that freaks, all that salary space that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. If he wants more money, which obviously he does, he can now look at Orlando City and say, "Well, you've got the room to give me a little bit more." You know, yeah. so we'll see how that plays out. Right, but also you could go to him and say, "Well, hey, how would you like a midfield playing in front of you? If we give you all this money, you can't yeah. have that." <laughs> Right. There's definitely two sides to the coin, but losing Galese for sure um, would be a big loss for Orlando City. So they they got to play this one right. I'm not saying give him a blank check, but he, I, yeah, I so, mean, okay, he's I, getting older. I know. So I will acknowledge that, but I don't think, 
I don't think anyone can say that he hasn't been the best goalkeeper that Orlando City's had. I, yeah, I, I would I would say he's definitely the best. However, I'll get into stats in a little bit and tell you why. Maybe, maybe he is uh, not worth all the money that people want him to get paid. You could also, yeah. I mean, I could agree that he also may have declined this year. Yeah, well, that being we'll, said, we'll, we'll talk, we'll people talk focus it. on the big saves, but yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why Joe Bendick was one of the best goalkeepers of all time for Orlando, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. He he what he was setting records for shots stopped, but people also kind of forget to mention in that same breath that he was playing in front of like the worst defense ever. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, listen, if he was so good, why is he the the third string goalkeeper for Philly? <laughs> Anyway, Jean Moutinho and uh, Mauricio Pereira. Those are the other guys that we were going to talk about. Um, Mauricio wants to go home. I've I've heard that from a lot of people where he wants to take his family, go back home to Uruguay. And And he's on the record saying that. You know, there's, you know, stories out there. His quotes are attributed to it. And they're also not not going to be offering him the same kind of money because they're offering him less than DP money, which don't know if he really wants to take. Mm Mm-hmm. So if he does, he could get 100 appearances for Orlando because, uh, well, he's he's like a couple couple short as of right now. Yeah, I mean, I do think it's it's a hard ask to get a guy who is an integral part of your team, who is still a double-digit assist leader on the team, to take less money. Who so also is playing ask. in a position that he didn't necessarily like playing in. Yeah. Because he, he was basically playing as the eight while... Junior Urso was playing as a 10. Mm-hmm. That's another thing you'll lose in Junior is his versatility because he could play as an 8, a 10, a winger, a striker. Yeah. So having your plug-and-play guy gone is going to hurt a lot. Yeah, we can obviously wrap up the conversation after, at this point, but not you know once you get through this, but I, this this roster is missing some, play, missing some things. Uh, yes, for sure. and then uh, Joao, he wants to go to Europe. I mean, he was. Do you know how much money he was making here, Gavin? It was like three hundred, wasn't it? Two, no, no, he wasn't making. He was like two hundred or less, right? Yeah, he was definitely very underpaid. Yeah, he was very underpaid. Yes. <clears throat> so, Orlando's going to have to offer him some more money, or otherwise, he's just going to be like, "I'm going Europe." Bye. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, then, like I said, now that they have Petresso, you know, that's certainly they have the ability to say, all right, well, you know, if you aren't willing to play for this, this is what we think you're worth. But, it, you know, by all means, go see what you can get. Yeah. They have that insurance option now. So, <sighs> yep. I mean, I th- I do also do think that, that losing Benji Michelle, that would be a big one. Mm-hmm that that's a that's another important name to watch you know the um crucial to that uh open cup run a homegrown kid you certainly like to keep those around he's a fiery guy great upside off the bench i um him and him and galese i think are the two um now of the players that i think could come back the two that they should definitely let me uh let me just bring up something real quick here benji Mm -hmm. michel right you you talk about his is effect off the bench, right? Mm-hmm. Do you know how many goals he scored this year? Not a lot. One. Yeah, that was the first game of the season. I think he scored. He scored more in Open Cup yes. than he did. Definitely, he, did. he, he did. was more impactful in that. But it wasn't much. It was not much. He scored uh, against Sacramento. I mean, you can contribute that to certain other things that sure. were happening around but him. Here's the thing. He scored against the Red Bulls in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. That was it. So he scored three goals total this year. Which isn't like too far off as usual because in 2021, he scored four goals. 2020, he scored five goals. 2019, he scored five goals. So um, definitely a regression of a year for him. It it was definitely an up and down year. I know that there were a lot of points where we would come on this show and say, like, this guy's not playing well. He's having a bad year. But then he would have those moments in the summer where he was coming off the bench in Open Cup against Red Bulls in Sacramento, and suddenly the game was flipped on its head. And you knew 
that it was because of Benji. And I think that's what's been so frustrating about him is he has we we know what he can do. He can be a game changer for Orlando. But like you said, there was also those points where he didn't score for months, and that's kind of a big deal when you are somebody that they look to to score. So Yeah. And that that was kind of the that was kind of the thing with it. It was just like Easier, easier, I could easier, also he's your speed guy, but also like, yeah, and that's important too for a team that doesn't necessarily have a lot of speed to to bring that extra dimension. I mean, I I can also live with the fact that he is gonna go out if he goes out, and this is his his the end of his journey with Orlando City. The lasting image of him on the field against Sacramento with the championship belt. <laughs> yep. I can live with that being my lasting image of Benji Michelle with Orlando City. All right, fair enough. Now, let's talk stats. All right. So, there is, uh, thanks to Opta, a, a very good breakdown of very detailed, in-depth stats. So, we're going to go and talk a little bit about where Orlando sits in terms of the grand scheme of things for... MLS. <clears throat> Expected goal ratio. This is a combination of statistics combined with open play expected goals for and set play expected goals. You want to know where Orlando sat in terms of expected goals in the entire league? Um, it was probably like 25th or something. Sixth. What? Sixth, Sixth best? Seven. Sixth best behind the Philadelphia Union. I don't believe that. Nashville had the best expected goal ratio. Colorado second. Chicago third. Minnesota fourth. Philly fifth. And Orlando sixth. Hmm. What's crazy is FC Dallas actually had the uh, worst expected goal. Well, I think... I would guarantee, though, a lot of that came earlier in the year when Orlando was way overperforming, and then they slumped in the middle. And Actually, their expected no. goals in every Gavin, game was like Gavin, one. it's it's all so in open play, and here's here's where the difference comes through. In open play, Orlando was one of the worst expected goals. They were fourth worst in the league in terms of open play expected goals, but set play expected goals. They were actually middle of the table. Hmm. Yeah. They had an uh, expected of 10 and scored 12 set play goals. And somehow the expected goal ratio lands them fifth. Somehow it's right. <laughs> somehow. Or sixth, whatever. Same as Philadelphia. Weird. All right. How about expected goals against since we were talking about Pedro Galese? Sure. Uh, middle of the table, like dead center, just about 0.21. In open play, Orlando was one of the better teams in terms of expected goals. You can say that that's because of Pedro, uh, but their expected goals were uh, 34. They allowed 38 on 309 shots. So that's about 12th or 13th in the league. In terms of set play expected goals, they're a little bit less. There was a uh, expected goals of 10. They allowed 9. But in terms of how many set play goals they allowed, they're one of the best teams in terms of not allowing set play goals. Philly was the best with 5 goals on set plays, and Orlando allowed 9. So that goes to show you that they're they're pretty good on on defending set pieces, yeah. So not 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 a, not a bad stat for Orlando for sure. Now this is a, a more visual thing, but I'll try my best to describe it. There is a a graphic that I have here called team sequence style. Now it it shows the direct speed of buildup. So if you're fast and direct or slow and intricate, right? And then it also shows you the passes per sequence heading into a goal. Orlando is on the slow and intricate side, as you would expect, but they're pretty close to the median. In fact, Columbus is almost dead center in terms of 
the balance of direct and fast and slow and intricate. Orlando is on the more the slower side. They averaged about 1.5 meters per second, which was better in terms of their passing per sequence. They they had about 3.5 passes per sequence. LA was actually the slowest and most intricate team out of anybody in the league. FC Dallas was the slowest in terms of their buildup, though, with less than uh, 1.1 meter per second. So that's just like, you know, pass around, pass around, pass around. But hey, they were a playoff team. So I guess there's I was gonna not say, much I you mean, can say it, about that. It does make a difference if you're a team like LA and yep. you are holding possession and you actually score a lot of goals versus yep. a team like Orlando where you can hold possession, but you don't really play any exciting soccer. <laughs> right, right, right. And you don't score a lot of goals. Now, uh, one of the fastest and most direct teams... You want to take a guess, Gavin? Uh, fast and direct teams. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Austin? No, it was Philly. Oh, okay. Yeah, they were they were the fastest uh, in terms of their direct speed, but the New York Red Bulls were the most direct. They had the least passes per sequence because they just you know chip it and go basically uh philly had more passes per sequence but were faster in terms of their direct speed minnesota was actually one of the fastest teams as well they just had a little bit more passes per sequence same with chicago cincy and dc united they were the faster teams in terms of their build-up problem with dc and chicago is well it didn't lead to anything at all so that's a fun little look into the team sequences anyways i want to bring up one other thing and this is in terms of player stats because i know a lot of people are going to have some complaints about this but i want to bring it up urchon kara had one of the best expected goals in the entire league thoughts Listen, I don't, I don't think Urchon's a bad player, <laughs> and I don't really don't think he had a bad season. I think some of the flaws in his game are kind of exposed by, I wouldn't even call them flaws. He's not necessarily the player that this team was best built around. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that much is clear. I think it'll be interesting to see what changes, if any, Orlando and specifically Oscar Pereja makes this offseason to incorporate how he plays better. I mean, he's a bigger, slower guy than maybe this team is better built for. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to, I mean, that I think that that's going to be kind of a key. I mean, he's he's a clearly a good player. I mean, double-digit goals is, is nothing to be, you know, there's no. nothing no, no, no. to look at and say, this guy's not doing enough to Orlando City. Right. But for the chances that he created, so just his expected goal was 0.45, which was, uh, I think, 20th in the entire league, which isn't terrible. But um, he averaged two and almost two and a half shots per game and scored about 0.5 of the uh, chances that he created. Now, in terms of uh, chances that uh, were created, Alexander Pato was one of the best chance creators in the entire league as well. He averaged about 1.81 chances created per game. And his expected assists was 0.21, which was about 21st, 22nd in the league. So when we go back talking about Alexander Pato and, and his loss, his chances created was actually, there was a lot more that he created than you probably realized. Definitely an interesting stat. Yeah. Now, I'll finish up with goalkeepers. Here's the thing with Pedro Galese. In terms of his goals prevented statistic, he was actually in the negative. So his projected goals conceded was about 41, and he conceded 43. He stopped 122, or he faced 122 shots and conceded 43 isn't a bad stat by any means but all things considered i think his save percentage was in the isn't bad but it's it's 
it's not as good as it was in previous years. So when I talk about, you know, stats uh, for for him, he's not one of the best goalkeepers in terms of statistics. That's just kind of how it is right now. Mm-hmm. In fact, Eloy Room was actually one of the best statistical goalkeepers in the league. Georgi Petrovic and Andre Blake were the best. It's tough to say like, hey, man, this is uh, a guy that deserves all the monies when it's the statistics and the numbers don't necessarily back that up. And I think uh, teams are probably looking at that as well. Whether Orlando signs him for a good chunk of change or not, I think it's going to definitely come into consideration. And that is all I will say on that. (laughs) Gavin, any other thoughts on Orlando City before we move on to the Pride? Um, Tigres. Ah, yeah. In Champions League. Mm. (laughs) Not a good draw. Not Mm. a good draw at all. No. But... Gotta be the you gotta beat the best to be the best. So, or you just know, you know, that. you get you get there and bow out gracefully into the night and focus on the rest of the other tournaments. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, as long as they don't embarrass themselves. Like, yeah. uh, what 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 was the um, what was the league's cup score against Laguna? Oh oh, Santos Laguna. It wasn't great, was it? Uh, it wasn't terrible. It was one nothing. Junior Urso got a red card in the 95th minute, okay. and that was it. Yeah, so, you know, that'll be a fun one. Um, last thoughts on the roster as it stands? Mm. <sighs> well, I got some work to do. I'm going to be honest. I don't look at this and say that's a... I don't they're not a playoff does. team at the moment, but, you know, when you only have does. 20 players, that's to be given. Um, they need to re-sign Pedro. Uh, re-signing Benji would be helpful. I don't... I'm, I'm less optimistic on Pereira coming back like you said all indications going into the offseason were that he would be ready to leave so I was a little surprised that they say they're in discussions with him mm-hmm. uh Jao I think it's 50 50 at this point but I do lean towards it mostly being that he doesn't come back um which is uh again back uh, with the statistics he was the fourth best chance creator on the team behind. yeah no and I and I, I definitely when he's healthy, he's one of the best left backs in the league. But I don't think that that's healthy? debatable. Yeah, that, when he stays healthy. Yeah. Um, that being said, you know, who knows? Who knows where his future lies? Um, if they don't re-sign Pedro Galese, Mason Staduhar being the only goalkeeper on the roster is a little concerning. Um, how they replace that. I look around what they do have, and I'm not entirely thrilled. You talk about Angulo, Mulraney, Rivera, Freeman. I mean, Thomas Williams. It's not a very stacked roster. It's not a very deep roster. So it's going to be a uh, a big offseason, and they've got a lot of work to do. So is this the offseason that the Wolves also open up the pocketbook a little bit more and they spread out that money? I sure like to. And I do think it's also worth keeping an eye on. I don't know that we've really mentioned it much on the podcast, but um, Fagundo Torres, uh, well, we also didn't mention, he's going to the World Cup. He's yep. been drawing a lot of interest, a lot of reported interest from uh, Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Whether or not that happens is kind of in doubt, but I think the overall fact is, and I mentioned this you know, before we recorded I do think that, especially if he has even a mildly decent showing in the World Cup, I don't think he makes it past next summer with Orlando City. I just don't. So I think that that's going to be important for the team to keep an eye on this season is what is that plan? Do they have a plan in place for his departure and how it's going to be handled? Because you know, if Orlando's in the middle of the playoff race next year and suddenly you lose probably your best player, that's going to be big, regardless of how much they sell him for. They, there needs to be a pretty good contingent plan in place for that. It's a very good point. So we'll see. It's going to be an interesting off season for sure. That's uh, without a doubt. Yeah. Well, at least we've got a lot of time to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Oh, but mm-hmm. hey, the World Cup starts in a week. Yes, 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 yes. Anyways, um, let's talk about the Orlando Pride. They have a new head coach, and it is, in fact... The one, the only, Seb Hines. Yes, former Headmaster Hines, as Jeff Radcliffe so eloquently put back in the day, has joined Orlando Pride as the full-time head coach now after serving as the interim 
through most of last season. Now, we all talked about this before. Seb was probably the guy that you really wanted to have. However, uh-huh. when you look at this, he went 3-7-5. and five. It's not great, but also there was a lot of contributing factors that kind of worked on that. They did go unbeaten for a long period of time, which is good. But this is his opportunity now to put a stamp on this team. He talked a big game saying, we need to fix this culture. This is, you know, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to do it. Well, he's got the opportunity now. He signed a multi-year deal. It's up to him to figure it out. I uh, was at his press conference yesterday. It was pretty straightforward. They've got a eight draft picks coming up in the 2023 NWSL draft, which uh, just officially was announced earlier as being on uh, January 12th in Philly. So that's something to look forward to for Pride fans, especially considering that maybe they use all eight draft picks. Maybe they use a couple of them to trade for some better players. Uh kind of up in the air i asked him about that and he said well we'll see because obviously he's not going to give anything away now but within that press release that announced seb as the head coach they also announced that there's a uh a big piece not coming back and that's ian fleming the general manager and they kind of buried the lead in that that was uh interesting because uh you kind of had to scroll down the press release to find out that yes, they in fact did let their GM go. Usually that's uh, mentioned at some point higher up. And I don't know. It's, it's always interesting when you hire a head coach while also firing your general manager, because usually GMs are the ones that are hiring and firing head coaches because it's their roster that they're building. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I actually haven't even thought about that aspect of it yet, but that is a good point. You know, Um, I don't know. I, I don't know that it honestly matters much. I think whoever is going to come in and fill that role is probably going to have to understand right away that Seb, like we've said before, like you mentioned, is the best man for this job at this very moment um, for the team. I mean, you know, it's, I think it's just a simple fact, and obviously the club agrees. That is why they gave him this position. But, yeah, that that is a good point to bring up. Now, um, where they go with this is anyone's guess. Because not only did they let Ian go, but they're also expanding his position to basically become Luis Muzi's position, which is vice president and general manager of soccer operations. Just kind of retitling. And so the club has started their search. They have a company called Bloom Sport, a leading sports advisory firm to assist in the recruitment. So they are in the process of looking for somebody, but Seb did talk about how it's somebody that he wants to be able to work with and uh, they need to be on the same page for things to work. So hopefully that is the case because it could go very badly (laughs) Uh, with Heinz's appointment. He has become the first black head coach in the NWSL. He was already before as the interim, but now is the first full-time black head coach. So, um, you know, I I did talk to Seb about it last year, about being the the first black head coach, and uh, I I think he said something along the lines of, it's something I don't take very lightly. It's, It's something I'm very proud of based on my history and where I come from, my parents, et cetera. And, you know, I, I hope that I can set a precedent for future, you know, people to come in, basically do what I do. So it's a, a start of something good, hopefully, for the uh, NWSL, which, to be fair to them, they, they need a lot of good right now. <laughs> yeah, ain't that, the, ain't that the truth? Yeah. Um, let's talk about some roster moves. From the Orlando Pride. A little bit ago, they actually announced their end of season contract statuses. So, first kind of 
roster moves under Seb Hines without his GM. This is all on him now. 12 players currently under contract, including Haley Bujea, Darian Jenkins, Leah Pruitt, Ali Watt, who, by the way, just signed a new contract through 2024. Michaela Clough, Carrie Abello, Caitlin Cosme, Haley Hansen, who also signed a new contract through 2024 or 23. Megan Montefusco, Kaylee Collins, Aaron McLeod, and Anna Morehouse. They've also exercised the three options on Julie Doyle, Gunny Yonsdaughter, and Kylie Strom. So that's 15 players that they are for sure bringing back next year. They have offered new extensions to Jordan Listro, Viviana Villacorta, Celia, Carrie Lawrence, and Courtney Peterson. So those are a couple players that have been offered contracts and new contracts. Uh, Villacorta was a massive part of the midfield last year. Listro came in, started almost every game. Celia was locking down the right back. Carrie Lawrence, center back. Courtney Peterson uh, missed some time but was pretty solid in the left back position. So uh, a lot of parts of your defense currently awaiting new contracts to be accepted. Three players out of contract, not being re-signed. Thais Hayes, Parker Roberts, and Chelsea Washington. They will enter the waiver wire. Roberts was waived. Hayes and Washington are out of contract and not have, have not been offered a new deal. And then there's four other players who will be eligible for free agency of the first time in NWSL history. In Meggie Doherty Howard, Tony Presley, Erica Timrak, and Marta. Yeah, that's right. Marta. Could be big. Last I talked to Ian Fleming when he was still there, the conversations had been good with Marta and that she was excited to come back. Question is, is it for the right price? We will find out. All four of those players have been in discussions with the club regarding a potential return in 2023. So nothing too groundbreaking, but Meggie Doherty Howard and Erica Timrak, both very important in the midfield. Marta needs no description. She's Marta. She's important. And Tony Presley, she mm, she's one of those players that is just like, she, she's been here since the beginning. Like, she's the last player from that 2016 roster. And I don't know how much left she has in her playing tank. She looked good in certain instances last year. I will say, but is she your consistent player? If you get her at the right price, bring her in. If not, I think it might be time to move on. That's my thoughts on those uh, extra roster moves, the pride. Early gut feelings, based on how, you know, they obviously really picked it up under Seb and then kind of fell off at the end. I mean, obviously this roster's got a lot of work that still needs to be done. You optimistic? You think they could be on one of the bubble teams for playoffs next year i think they could i think they could yeah they need to it depends on how their roster shapes out though and i think, think that's, the pressure, that's the big thing you think the pressure on seb changes now that he is no longer um interim yeah it's all on him yeah now. this is this yeah. is this is his team now they go as he goes so if he doesn't do well that that's on him you can't you can't really say well you know this person brought in these players or what nope this is you this is your team now i I wish said the best of luck great guy known him for years but yep this is this is his team now and this is uh this is how it's going to be yeah no i mean it's uh it's going to be interesting too i mean you kind of expect growing pains uh you know and it's going to be um how he reacts, how the team reacts, how things go around that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, for a first year head coach, in all you know, in all seriousness, he's first year. This is it. You know, this is, he's never had this gig before. Yep. Um, so I think that's going to be certainly worth watching. And and what kind of he's going to have a leash? That's for sure. He's going to have a pretty long leash. You know, even if things, unless they went zero in twenty four in 2023 he's gonna have a long leash to build this team you know and to work with it and 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 keep things going from there but you know i'm intrigued i think he's the right hire for this moment so hopefully we're hoping for the best you know they, they certainly need that yep. now just to talk about the draft very quickly before we move on pride have two first round picks pick number two and pick number three then in round two, they only have one pick, which is 21st overall. In round three, they have the first 
pick and the 25th pick and the 29th pick as well as the 34th pick and then in round four they have the 39th and 41st pick so a lot they have five late round picks and three top two round picks with the second and third overall being included so I think you can get some very good quality from those first round picks. Maybe trade one of them for a player, depending on where you end up going. You know, this team is young. Do you go even younger? That is the question that Sip Hines have, now has to answer. So, that's it for the uh, Orlando Pride as of right now. One other thing that we forgot to mention was uh, the retirement of Ashton Harris, the former Orlando Pride goalkeeper, called it a career after a uh, injury-plagued season over in Gotham. And kudos to her for uh, her career. Obviously, a longtime player for the Orlando Pride, started her Pride career as the Pride started, and um, ended up breaking the record for saves in NWSL with the Pride, played 82 games with them, played for the U.S. women's national team, won a World Cup with them. Uh, at 37 years old, though, it was uh, it was time to call it a career. She has also already gotten a new job, and it is with her wife's team now, uh, Gotham. And she is, uh, <laughs> this is... This is the interesting one. It's a, a new position that they have created just for her, and she is the Global Creative Advisor. That is her official title. So uh, congrats to Ashlyn on her career and uh, best of luck in her global creative advisor role for Gotham. Um, Very quickly, let's go and talk about college soccer. First, let's talk about the seasons that are over. UCF men, their season did not go the way they expected. Uh, They lost a lot of games that they probably shouldn't have. They lost a lot of players due to injury and suspensions and all these other different things that ended up happening. Uh, they were basically at the end of the game, at, at the end of the season, they were down to their seventh and eighth choice center backs. They actually had to move their defensive midfielder to center back because all their other center backs were either out or suspended. So that just kind of tells you where or the UCF men's soccer season ended up going. They finished six and seven. They missed the conference tournament for the first time in their history in the American Athletic Conference. So not great from the men's side. The women's side, though, great season. 9-2-6 overall, 7-0-1 in conference. Not only that, they're still playing. They beat NC State in penalties out in North Carolina, and now they're facing the number one seed, UCLA, out in LA. That is on Friday at 10 p.m. Eastern time over on ESPN plus. So definitely tune into that because that'll be a, a very fun game potentially. Uh, as, as we all know, UCLA and UCF have a, uh, their, their history is somewhat tied together because of Amanda Cromwell. Yeah. Fun. <clears throat> well, you know, what's going to be funny is like, we all are just going to want it. This is, you know, the Cromwell era is going to be one of those that we all just kind of want to move on. Like there's a, um, one of the routes that I could take home from work occasionally is there's a street that I pass called Cromwell. It's just like Cromwell Road or whatever. And I see it every time I pass by it. And it just like obviously brings up how fun this past year has been. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's not over yet, by the way. It's definitely not over yet. Anyways, yeah, no, Rollins, we definitely won't be the last time we hear that name. Rollins Women's Soccer, uh, their season unfortunately ended at the end of the season didn't make the conference tournament they finished five eight and three two seven and one in conference at one point they were ranked and then ended up losing i think their last nine games in a row with a draw mixed in between there so they're they lost eight of their last nine with a draw mixed in and that just you can't you can't make the tournament through that so uh not a great season for the women's tars but the men's tars team they're still playing they're 10-4 and 3 6-3 and 1 in conference 
They ended up beating the University of West Florida in the first round of the NCAA tournament in penalties. They are now playing in Melbourne against Florida Tech on Friday at 3. If they win that, they're into the quarterfinals, I believe. Um, Could be a very big moment for Rollins men's soccer. They have not been this far in the tournament since, I believe, 2010 or 2011 when they made the NCAA final. So big moments for Rollins men, UCF women. And with that, it's time, Gavin. Do you have any weird news for this week? Obviously, I came prepared Mm -hmm. for weird news this week. And my weird news Mm -hmm. is Mike Tyson, as you may know, Mm -hmm. and Evander Holyfield, as you may know, as that other guy, Mm -hmm. famous for Mike Tyson, have teamed up Mm -hmm. for Holy Ears, an edible cannabis product. Now, if I'm not mistaken, Gavin, Mike Tyson actually did have a edible ear-related cannabis product before, but the, the team up with Evander Holyfield seems new. Yes. Um, so these two are, are in business. Um, it's an edible cannabis product, and it takes off their, it's a take-off their infamous moment, obviously, from their 97 title fight when Tyson bit a chunk off of Holyfield's ear. Mm-hmm. Um, according to Fox... It's a TH, THC and Delta-8 THC-infused edibles shaped like bitten ears, which I guess Delta-8, which means you could find them wherever, you know, it's mostly legal everywhere. Um, it's going to launch in November through Tyson 2.0, which is his cannabis company. Um, Tyson, per the report, said it was his wife's idea to have this as a product. Uh, according to Tyson, quote, I said, that's awesome. Then we played with it, released it, and it was immediate success. So, uh, and then he, he did that and he was like, it was having success. So I was like, why don't I get Evander involved too? Um, hit uh, Holyfield on the other end. He had to be convinced, you know, a little bit skeptical. Um, he's according to Holyfield. He said, um, they said it's, it's about helping people. So I said, I ain't got no problem helping people. I don't know if this is something that I had to act like I was smoking reefer I realized it was for helping somebody else. So the fact that it was something that helped somebody else, I was fine with it. So, you know, fun times. Let's to uh, figure out where I can buy this. Very interesting. All right. My weird news is uh, Twitter. Hey, remember? Oh. <laughs> remember how fun that place is? So, it used um, to be. Yeah. So, hey, uh, Elon Musk took over and decided, hey, verification for all all you have to do is pay eight dollars and naturally people did that and uh elon's whole idea was uh this will cut down on the scammers and the trolls when in fact it made it worse uh who didn't see that one coming pretty much everybody (laughs) saw it coming so that that's why it's funny the um the amount of brands that were being impersonated were uh, at an all-time high not only were they being impersonated but they were all also tweeting out things that actually tanked some of their stocks which uh if you're a brand on twitter and you're seeing that if you're an advertiser on twitter and you're seeing that you're probably saying i don't want to be a part of this company anymore so naturally twitter decided to pause paid verifications after all of this ended up happening so it lasted all of, I think, two days where people were able to get in, pay for a verification, and uh, now it's being paused because of uh, abuse of the system. Yeah, I uh, just came across a fake tweet from a fake from a verified um, fake New York Yankees account the other day talking about, uh, you know, Aaron Judge has resigned for eight years, 300 million, whatever it said. And the tweet was several days old, still up, still there, still gathering tens of thousands of likes. So, you know, it's going great. Lovely. I I love it here. (laughs) Great times. Yeah. All right. Any any red cards for this week, Gavin? Or playing Uh, advantages? (laughs) I'll give my red card to uh, Elon Musk and Twitter. There you go. For all the reasons you've explained. Awful. That's easy. 
Yeah. yeah. Um, I will give my playing advantage to Modern Warfare 2. It's fun. Oh, yeah. Second. And I think, Gavin, that'll do it. That should do it. Yeah. Easy, simple. Easy, breezy, beautiful cover girl. All right. Um, we are hopefully going to be back next week with a World Cup show to talk a little bit about the U.S. and, I guess, by extension, Canada, since Brad's going to be on the show, hopefully, for the first time in forever. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll hopefully do that next week before the World Cup actually like officially starts on Monday. But look out for that in your inboxes and such. And if you haven't already, please subscribe. Give us a nice little rating. Um, be sure to uh, bookmark our Podbean website so you know where we're posting and when we're posting it. Because uh, who knows what's going to happen to Twitter, which is where we, you know, mainly post our shows. That's fun. Don't forget us. Uh, don't forget about us when uh, social media is no longer existent soon. What a time! What a time! All right. So for Gavin Eubank, I'm Austin David. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Orlando Soccer Show. We'll be back, like I said, hopefully next week. But until then, we'll see you later. And you're dirty brown water trash. And you're always going to be dirty brown. Water trash! <laughs>